The Rangers are making moves this offseason. After hiring former Golden Knights bench boss Gerard Gallant, general manager Chris Jury has shipped off some lineup staples and brought in some potential new ones. The expansion draft and entry draft has come and gone, but now free agency has begun. What will the Rangers do next? We'll ask that question to the post Larry Brooks and address the moves the Blue Shirts have made thus far. Lots to discuss on a special off-season edition of Up in the Blue Seats, next from the New York Post. Ladies and gentlemen, we ask that you direct your attention to Center Ice for a special presentation. Ooh. Welcome back to Up in the Blue Seats podcast, our New York Rangers podcast from the New York Post. We are back for a special off-season episode with tons of Rangers news to address. Catch up on all past episodes of Up in the Blue Seats by subscribing wherever you get podcasts. But if you do use Apple Podcasts, give Up in the Blue Seats five stars and write in a positive review the new york post on larry brooks our hall of fame beat writer is going to join us later in the show your host of up in the blue seats are the new york post on molly walker and the star of the show rangers great number 10 ron Well, hello, everyone. Hello, Jake. It's good to be back. Although you had to pull me off the beach, I've been on vacation. Although been on vacation, hockey's still always on my mind. I've been paying attention, and so much has been happening since we talked last. Congratulations to Adam Fox for winning the Noah's Trophy winner. It was something that we all felt that he deserved. We didn't, we weren't sure whether he's going to win it or not, but congrats to him and his family. Players are in in the lineup and players are out. We've lost some players. We've gained some players. So much to talk about today. I want to get right with it with Molly Walker, who's been not on the beach. She's been working. So, Molly, I know you spent a lot of time on social media. And going into today's show, you asked everyone, what are your thoughts? What is it that you want to hear from us? And a couple of things you mentioned, you said Jerry Gallant, the hiring of coach Gerard Gallant, who's a friend of mine. Goodrow, the signing of Goodrow, Busnevis leaving, and of course, free agency. So what is it that's on their mind, Molly? Welcome back. (laughs) Good to be back, Ron. Sorry to take you off the beach. It's uh, definitely not as fun, but... Of course, there's still lots of fun going on in Rangers land that we need to discuss. But yes, I had taken a poll yesterday to see what the fans wanted to talk about first, because where do you even start with this Rangers offseason so far? And it was close, but the Buchnevich trade did take the cake, understandably. It's lineup staple of five years, and then he's no longer with the organization. But then people want to hear about free agency, the Gallant hiring, and then last, Goudreau signing. But we, we could start with Buchnevich, but I think we should just start from the beginning to make sure we cover everything. And so the listeners will just have to wait until we get to Buchnevich. So kicking things off, Gerard Gallant were a little bit late. To recap, shortly after the Rangers season ended, which everyone remembers came to a crashing halt halt after Jeff Gordon and John Davidson were dismissed by Jim Dolan, plus the Tom Wilson debacle, which actually for once will not headline our show today. But a couple days later, David Quinn was let go as well. Getting a new head coach was necessary if it's coming from the top down that a culture change is needed. You're simply not going to get a complete culture makeover with the same head coach 
coach. So that's what led to Quinn's dismissal. But Jury took his time with the hiring and it wasn't until later in the playoffs that he hired Gallant. I happened to find out while I was two Cosmopolitans deep lounging by the Marriott pool in Tampa Bay while I was covering the Islanders run through the playoffs. And you can ask Ron about my somewhat tipsy phone call to him that later that to talk about Gallant, but the hiring of Gallant piqued people's interest here, Ron, because you played with him and everybody wants to hear about that, including me. So uh, what do we need to know about him, Ron? Well, I can only share with you what I've experienced with Gerard. I've run into him in the last few years because he's from Newfoundland and I, um, once or twice a year, I go to Newfoundland. I do a lot of hockey exhibitions there. So him and I have chatted in between some of his jobs and I got to know him on how he thinks of himself as a coach and the important thing is with him just being able to command the room and having the respect from the players. So he kind of shared that with me. And uh, when I look back of him being my teammate, he wasn't a lineman. He was a teammate in Detroit. I saw a guy that was quietly very dedicated, hard to play against. And if you look at his numbers, he was a skilled guy. He can score goals. And he was a guy that uh, he made a great teammate because of uh, he was um, very much into uh, – wanting to defend his teammates. Now, we had a tough team back then, but Gerard was one of the tougher guys on the team. So when you look at him as a player, he was a complete player. He can play good defense. He can score goals. And so I think you go through your hockey career as a player, you learn. You learn as you play, and you learn from coaches that you've had. And, of course, you learn from teammates, like he played with Stevie Iserman. So he understands what it takes to win. And so he's applied all that to his coaching. And I think the one thing that you can say about him, and if you ask any player that have uh, played for him, they say he's a very fair and likable guy, which means what? He's a guy that will, he'll be there if you need him to be there, but he'll kind of keep his distance from the players. But he's also there to be able to make sure as a team, everyone is treated fairly. Everyone is treated the same way. And that's kind of who he is in life. And so when you look at the Ranger team, a lot of younger players, and you're going to have some veteran players. So you need a coach that can speak to both. And so as far as a teaching type coach, I I think he does a good job and he'll surround himself with the right guys to make sure that his message gets heard in the dressing room. Right. And I, I spoke to Adam Fox 101 uh, shortly after he won the Norris Trophy. Yes, big congratulations to him. Very well deserved um, and an exciting moment for the Rangers who haven't had a major uh, trophy winner since I think Henrik Lundqvist won the Vesna. So that was a big moment for the organization. But I asked Adam Fox what the initial, I guess, almost scouting report on Gerard Gallant was coming out out of the, the Rangers locker room. And he said that they all have heard that he's a player's coach and that he, you know, really connects with his with his players and that he always puts them first. And, and that's something that went over really well in the Rangers locker room. So it, it should be really exciting to see how this new hire works out. And, and it definitely comes with a lot of pressure given what the organization has gone through. Um, in recent seasons. So we'll see how he does. So Jury has his coach. Then it was clearly time to start addressing the number one narrative that has hovered over the Rangers since the end of last season, the lack of physicality and grit. So that's when Drury sent a 2022 seventh rounder to the Lightning in exchange for Barkley Goudreau. Jury then signed Goudreau to a six-year, 21.85 million contract with an average annual value of 3.64 mil. Look, as someone who watched Goudreau all postseason long, basically. I like the acquisition. However, I was watching him with the likes of Yanni Gord and Blake Coleman on Tampa Bay's third line, and they gave the Islanders fits. They were a 
pesky line that was just so effective. This is a player that you can build around in the bottom six, presumably the third line. He can play wing. He can play center. He made it very clear that he's comfortable in both positions. And he's a penalty killer. He plays with an edge that the Rangers don't have. And for me, the biggest selling point is the Rangers don't have a player like him already. Is it a steep price? Yes. But that's the price you pay for a reigning two-time Stanley Cup winger in the flat salary cap world. But Goudreau is a solid foundational piece to build a bottom six around. But we saw with who he played next to in Tampa Bay. He's not the end-all, be-all solution to the Rangers' problems. But the commitment to Goudreau should mean there's a commitment to surround him with players that are going to get the best out of him. That's the key for him. Well, yeah, I watched him play and he was noticeable on the ice. When you're noticeable on the ice with the style of play that you play, and I think that that's where the Lightning started to make some changes on their team because they had a lot of skilled players when you look back three, four years ago, and they had a lot of skilled players, but they weren't uh, they weren't winning as much as they wanted to in the playoffs. So they brought in some different type of uh, grinding, hardworking character guys, and they've seen the difference. And he's an older guy. He's been around. And there's something to be said. Once you've been through on a team that knows how to win, there's a feeling in the dressing room. And there's a feeling in certain games, pressure games, that you can apply and share and help others when you come to our young Ranger team. Those are all things that he's going to be able to talk about. Now, we're going to assume the Rangers are going to make the playoffs this year, but those are the kind assume. of things. <laughs> yeah, we're going to assume we're going to make the playoffs. But it's, it, it's it's getting, the thing is, Molly, it's getting to the playoffs because there's going to be a lot of tight checking games, a lot of close games where you're going to need guys like that in the dressing room going into the third period, being able to talk to the guys and also being able to do it on the ice. And he's that guy that we've seen in the playoffs this past year that he's come up with some big plays. He's come up with a couple of big goals. He has it in him to step it up, right? Guys that can step it up in the playoffs where they their game elevates, those are the type of guys that you want on your team. And that's something that Chris Jury really drove home when he addressed the signing of Goudreau is he said that he's a winner. You know, he's a guy that can come into the locker room and tell the guys that are already there what it's like to win, what it takes to win, and what they're going to have to do, which is something that the Rangers didn't have a lot of, especially considering it's so fresh in Goudreau's mind. They just came off the two cup wins in Tampa Bay. It definitely will be an advantage for the Rangers to have that kind of insight. But I agree with what so many people on Twitter.com have been saying. Obviously, that's not his biggest selling point that he can come in and talk about winning. It'll actually come down to what he does on the ice and how he's able to help the team win. But like I said earlier, it'll be just crucial to surround him with the right players. And I've, I've said this a couple times on, on other podcasts and other radio shows, but the way Larry, our, my dear colleague Larry Brooks put it was so funny. If the Rangers want to stick Chris Kreider or Philip Heedle on the same line as Goudreau, you might as well have given that huge sum of money to Larry Brooks himself. Like that's that's not going to be an effective course of action for the Rangers. But I don't think that that's what they're planning on doing. I think that they have a ton of moves in store for the rest of this offseason. So we'll see how it goes. Brief mention, Brett Howden was traded to Vegas in exchange for Nick DeSimone and a 2022 fourth round pick. Not much to say about this move needed to unload Howden to make room for a more effective bottom six. He's a great guy and the team will miss his penalty killing abilities, but it was a move that probably needed to happen. DeSimone is an RFA, but the Rangers never had any intention of signing him. So it really was basically Howden in exchange for a 22 fourth rounder. So that takes us to the big grand poobah of the Rangers offseason so far. 
Pavel Buchnevich is shipped to St. Louis in exchange for forward Sammy Blay and a 2022 second rounder. This is a big move. Big change for the Rangers. He was a staple in the lineup for five seasons, and he truly morphed into the player the Rangers always thought he could be. But there are two things driving this move in my book. First off, Buchnevich was a restricted free agent with arbitration rights and due for a substantially larger contract. He was also just one season away from UFA status next summer. And I spoke to Buchnevich's agent, actually, and it was clear that they were looking for a long-term deal. He said they had done the short-term contract thing to help the Rangers out last time they negotiated, so it was time for a bigger deal in their eyes. Secondly, you can't give young talent an opportunity in the top six if there are no vacancies, so Drury went ahead and created one, giving players like Capo Caco and Vitaly Kravtsov a clear path to top six minutes. The Blues ended up signing Buchnevich to a four-year, $23.2 million deal with a $5.8 million cap hit, with massive raises on the horizon for Adam Fox and Mika Zibanejad. The Rangers simply couldn't have afforded that. Blay isn't a bad return either. You need to consider what the market is like right now. Blay is a is 25 and four season into his NHL career. He's a north-south kind of player that brings a physical presence. These are all things the Rangers set out for. You know, he's gotten better every year, finished last season with eight goals and seven assists for 15 points in 36 games. Plus, he is due just $1.5 million this year and is an RFA next summer. So all in all, it was a move that needed to happen to create room for the, for young players. And it just wasn't a financial situation the Rangers could get themselves into. But of course, losing Pavel Buchnevich rubbed a lot of Ranger fans the wrong way, Ron. Well, it's rubbed me the wrong way also because he was one of my <laughs> he was one of my favorites. He really was. Why? Because he competed mm-hmm. and the guy can score goals and he had great hands. Right. Great, great passer. But he would show up every game. Most games he would show up. He's a guy that would drop the gloves. He would fight. He would push back. He wasn't intimidated. So I liked him because the Rangers didn't have enough of it. So in these trades, it's always only time will tell. And it really comes down to the salary cap, which I'm going to address it with with Larry about this salary cap thing, because it's uh, it's so disappointing for fans when you lose one of your fan favorites. And I know he was very likable because he stood out. So I don't know, because we're not in on the meetings and what they're really thinking with the New York Rangers staff, why they felt like they really had to over another younger player. To me, Bush Nevis is a young kid. Great future, and I don't know if I would have made that trade, but only time will tell. For Sammy Blay, he's got big shoes to fill, right? Uh, <laughs> although he's going to be on probably uh, playing with Goodrow. He's Maybe still very young. Line. Yeah, he'll be in a fourth line. And listen, he has an opportunity to be something that the Rangers don't have. It may work. I mean, if you have some younger skilled players end up on the top line and kind of fill the shoes of Busnevich, and then Blay plays well on the bottom six, then it makes sense. But only time will tell on how things work. I'm disappointed Busnevis left. So are many fans. So we wish him well, and we'll see what happens. Yes, we will. So now that takes us to free agency, and we will definitely dive into this a little bit more with Larry Brooks later in the show, but I guess we have to start with Jack Eichel. I'm not allowed to start anywhere else if I had to, if I had to guess by what the listeners probably want. So I'm just going to toss it to you, Ron. I I don't even know what to say when it comes to Jack Eichel. The whole situation has just been 
all over the place. You can't get a single report that doesn't conflict with another. So I just, I'm, I'm curious, what do you think the Rangers would be okay with putting in a, in a package for, for Jack Eichel or just acquiring him altogether? Do you think that's a, a move the Rangers should make? When the first talk started about Eichel being available out of Buffalo for the Rangers, I liked the idea because of what I had seen the last couple of years out of him on the highlight reel. He's an explosive guy, very dangerous, big guy, long reach, good goal scorer, high draft pick. But then I watched him play towards the end when they're playing against the Rangers where he should have been, if he really wanted to go to the Rangers, he should have been showcasing himself. And I didn't see much of anything. There was very little compete level. And I don't care where you're playing. I don't care how bad your team is. If you have any kind of pride, you play hard regardless, right? And so I didn't see the fight in him. The reason I say this, if the Rangers are building a team to win the Stanley Cup and go deep in the playoffs, your Top six guys have to be guys that are character, that play hard. Push comes to shove. We've seen it this year. We've seen the last couple of years, teams that win, they play with guys that they play with a real heartbeat. And I don't see that in him. Although, you know, he could be a 30, 40 goal scorer. I don't know that. That remains to be seen. So I'm not so high on him for what you would have to give up and how much you would have to spend. In fact, I prefer Buznevich over Eichel. I mean, I, I really do because of his compete level. Because I, it was so obvious to me this year when you watch teams that go deep in the playoffs, how much you have to fight, scratch, and claw for everything. And if you don't have players that are going to play that way, you're just not going to win in these tight checking games. So I'm not a big fan of Eichel. Again, I could be wrong, but. Time will tell. I'm not sure if they'll grab him because the price is high. Right. Aside from the injury concerns, uh, obviously there has been a, a disagreement between the Sabres and, and Eichel on this neck surgery that he wants to get. And and that's also something for the Rangers to, to take under consideration that if they do acquire uh, Jack Eichel and he does end up needing surgery, that he might not be able to start the season with them. Obviously the Rangers, everybody's gunning for the Stanley Cup, but do the Rangers have legitimate chances at a Stanley Cup this upcoming season? Not necessarily. So it won't really matter that much if he has to start later in the season, but it's still something for the team to consider. And I agree with you, Ron, in the sense that I think that the Rangers have just an abundance of players that play the same style as Jack Eichel. And I know that Jack Eichel is, is a tremendous talent and, and a different kind of caliber player than, than any of the players the Rangers have, but they have Artemi Panarin. They have Mika Zibanejad, players that are just finesse and 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 have pretty goals and, and things like that. And if they're trying to change the makeup of their lineup, I don't think Jack Eichel would bring any difference. I don't think that he I mean, difference in this in the way that they play, in the way that they look. He's the same type of player that they have. They have a ton of top six caliber talents already. And just bringing in another one that's like the top of all that top six talent. It just wouldn't, it just, it's not achieving the goal that they clearly set out to, to achieve this off season. So I think that they're the route that they're currently on um, with some of the signings that they made Barkley Goudreau, Patrick Nemeth was just announced. Those are, types of players that are going to bring a physical edge that just play a different style, a more grinding kind of game that they need. So I, I agree with, with you, Ron. I, I, I'm not sure if, if Eichel is, is the answer for the Rangers and especially 
at the astronomical price that that they are uh, advertising for him. I mean, I think right now everybody's kind of in a standoff with Buffalo to see who will flinch first on on you know either not taking down the asking price a little bit or who's going to throw in an extra sweetener. And and I can tell you, if, if with the Rangers, I don't think that Chris Drury will throw someone in like Capo Caco or or Vitaly Kravtsov just as a sweetener because those are those are tremendous players in their own right. So we'll see how, how it uh, pans out. But moving on, a couple more names um, to take into consideration going into free agency. I just mentioned Patrick Nemeth and uh, Larry Brooks was the first to report that. That deal actually just came in as I'm sitting here. Um, three years with a 2.5 million cap hit. He'll get 1.5 million in year one, 2.5 in year two, and 3.5 in year three with an eight-team no-trade list per Puckpedia. We'll see. You know, he's six foot three or six foot four, 212 pounds. Defender, he could, he could forge a solid third defensive pairing with Nils Lundqvist. Nick Ritchie, Riley Smith, uh, any other names you're thinking of, Ron? <laughs> well, when we talk about the Rangers being tough to play against, and when we talk about the lack of leadership, because the Rangers still don't even have a captain, what does that say about a team that doesn't have a captain, right? So what players out there that could fit the role of being tough in the dress room, on the ice, and could be a leader of experience a lot? There's two guys that come to me, and I'm going to ask Larry about this also, Chara and Getzloff. Two guys that I don't know uh, Chara is going to continue playing. I would think that he would love to come to play to New York and wear the Ranger jersey. <laughs> you would think run. that. Right. <laughs> Same with Getzlaff. He's at the end of his career, but he can still play. Like, I watched him play the last couple of years. Yes, he doesn't have the quickness, but as a captain, oh my goodness, don't mess with any of his players. He will fight you and he'll fight anyone. Not that we would bring him in the fight, but it's just his look and his demeanor. He's won a Stanley Cup. Those are two guys that I think, for the time being, for the short term, to help this team go to the next level and possibly make the playoffs, those two guys would make sense. There's a tough defenseman and there's a forward. Now, Getzloff is a centerman, but he wouldn't necessarily have to play center. All you have to do is put him on the ice, have him in the dressing room. Those two guys would make a lot of sense to me. Eichel, no. <laughs> Back to Eichel, no. no not no. feeling it. <laughs> Having said that, there's another player that was that been on the Rangers that improved this game and really realized his role was Brendan Smith. Now, there's talk that the Rangers are not going to bring him back. And I don't think it has to do with his play. Again, it goes to salary. Uh, he was making, I think, $4.5 million. He probably has another couple of years left. And they probably feel for the money, they can't afford to keep him. Other than that, I like him at the bottom six because he played hard. Yeah, Larry did report that that the Rangers are probably moving on from Smith. And he obviously, he did a lot more than just stuff on the ice for the Rangers. He was he was a, a leader. He was vocal in the locker room, um, really kind of took all the young players under his wing. Um, one of the few guys that the that the Rangers have that, that were able to do that. So it is probably going to be a tough uh, player to move on from. But Brendan Smith will probably make another... Stanley Cup contending team, pretty happy just in, in a depth role, just for what he brings off the ice too. He, he'll he make any team very happy. But Nick Ritchie with Boston, I, I like the way Larry Brooks described <laughs> Ritchie as one of the closest players you'll get to playing literal smash mouth hockey. So <laughs> the Rangers probably wouldn't mind adding someone like that, uh, especially down the trend that they've they've taken this this uh, offseason so far. So we'll see. And then uh, Riley Smith with, with Vegas, you know, he, he was apparently 
certainly a favorite of Gallant's in Vegas, and he carries a $5 million cap hit that expires next summer. So there's some flexibility there. Ton of options for the Rangers. Who knows what will happen next, but we'll all see soon enough. And Ron Duguay has had a busy offseason as well. Now, <laughs> Ron is used to living with his great son, Noah, and Noah has moved out, and Ron is left alone, and the Rangers are picking up players, and Ron is picking up tequila over uh, <laughs> over the offseason. How is life in a home alone now? You're like Macaulay Culkin. Empty uh, nester. Home alone, Ron. Yeah, yeah I, uh, I knew it was going to come. My son Noah is now 27, and but he's still my baby. He's the youngest in the family. Him and I live together. We're like roommates. We're buddies. And we would go out together, and then unfortunately, he found a girlfriend that he really likes, and so he's moved on, and I've kind of, uh, I have not moved on. <laughs> so I'm, going, <laughs> I'm going through a uh, moaning period of losing my son, although he's only moved a mile away, but it's still, it's an adjustment for me. And I found myself, uh, I've gotten really friendly with the bottle of tequila. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I say this and I don't have a drinking problem, but. <laughs> Just to I, be I clear. Yeah, just to be clear. And just to be clear, I'm very single. And uh, I like to go out. I like to go out on the weekends, Friday night, Saturday night. And I do happy hour. I do happy hour by myself. So a little tequila, little video on TV. I watch old footage of bands back in the 80s. I get myself all hyped up and I go out and I have some fun. So that's kind of my life right now until the season starts. And of course, right now is the Olympics. I'm enjoying the Olympics. Can't wait for the uh, track and field, but I love the swimming and being Canadian. I'm really rooting for the Canadians. So it's the Olympics, a bottle of tequila, and I go out on the weekends and I need to find myself a woman. <laughs> <laughs> Literally haven't spoken to Ron like over face and like in over FaceTime in so long. And he comes on and he's like, well, I'm single and I've been drinking a lot of tequila. <laughs> it's like, well, Ron, you have yourself quite the summer going right now. <laughs> Yeah. Your son and your wingman have left left the home. You have a you have a pretty decent sized house now, just to yourself. So you can just walk around, no clothes needed. Yeah. You could drink it whenever you want. Your tall glass you want. Well, Hey, listen, I used to do that anyways. And my no, it's a dad. Get some clothes on. <laughs> <laughs> I got friends coming over. Oh god, the, the uh, off season of Ron. Having said that, I think that I'm going to. Uh, come up with my own uh, brand of drink, my own liquor. And I'm not quite sure what that's going to be yet. Yeah, I'm working with a company called Grape Stars, and Grape Stars wants to come up with my own drink. Are you going to be the next Kendall Jenner with her new tequila brand? <laughs> uh, you know what? I'm not even sure what it's going to be. I want to do something different and because uh, everyone's doing tequila, vodka, and wines, right? So I'm thinking uh, just a nice uh, drink with some CBD in it. How about that, Jake? I don't know anything about it. Put something else in it and uh, it might be interesting. Hey, listen. 60 single home alone tequila. With CBD. Yeah. yeah, with CBD. Hey, that's what happens when you live with your son. <laughs> yeah, so anyways, some say I still live in the 70s and 80s. I think I've gone back to it now. Evidently. Yeah, a guy who's been covering the Rangers since back in the day would be Larry Brooks joining up in the blue seats next. 
He's back, folks. Joining us now on Up in the Blue Seats is our Hockey Hall of Fame Rangers beat writer at the Post, Larry Brooks. Follow Larry on Twitter at NYP underscore Brooksy and read his stories in the New York Post or at NYPost.com. Larry, I want to primarily pick your brain about free agency right now. And I think for the Rangers, that has to start with Jack Eichel. I'm curious to hear your your perspective on where he currently stands with the Sabres and the possibility of coming to Broadway. You know, what's the latest on that front? Truth is, there's so much conflicting information out there that I wish I had a better handle on this, but I don't. A number of people I talk to tell me that uh, the Rangers are simply monitoring the situation, hanging in, want to see where it goes. And there are an equal number of people who tell me that the Rangers are all in on this. They're coming from people and and both sides are coming from people who generally have good information. So a mystery to me. I mean, it's clear that the Rangers are interested in Eichel. It's clear that they've been interested in Eichel for over a year. Of course, comes down to what the cost is to acquire him, what his immediate health is, although that's probably a smaller part in it, because even if even if surgery is necessary and Eichel misses the first few months of this season, you're still talking about a 25-year-old player, he'll be 26 next year, you know, a, a player who will then be fully healthy. Again, it, it's the cost. I, I keep hearing the name Braden Schneider. I, I think that would be just insane for the Rangers to trade this stud, physical right defenseman who's I think, 20 years old, and everyone thinks he's, he's going to be a big-time NHL player that's I just can't imagine the Rangers would sacrifice him I don't think they're going to trade Nils Lundqvist so what's the cost and then what you're what you have to weigh too is if you get Eichel then you can't keep Zibanejad it just won't work under the cap they will have them for this year and it presents a pretty formidable lineup for one year but what are you going to sacrifice and and what is this one year if Eichel, in fact, does need the surgery and is going to miss four or five months of the season. So, you know, again, so it's Eichel, it's the cost of, of obtaining Eichel, and then it's Eichel versus Zibanejad. These are all the components of, of the uh, equation. These are the items that Chris Drury is going to have to make his decision on. And I'd be very careful about giving up too much, but I'd, I'd also be careful about passing on the opportunity to get a kid who's going to be 25 at the start of the season and is such a big time player so it's a tough one it, it honestly is until you see the package it's impossible to evaluate so i'm sorry i can't be more informative no it's probably more informative than i think anybody else has been during this whole saga larry so we thank you for that but um you were the first to report about the rangers interest in defenseman patrick nemeth what are you hearing there how did that come to be and and what do you think he can bring to the blue shirts yeah it'll be a three-year deal it'll be for $2.5 million a year. They feel that he brings stability, that he's going to be a solid third defenseman. He's physical. He's, you know, he's, he's not uh, Radko Gudis. He's not a headhunter. He's not, you know, he's not a guy who's going to blow people through the, through the boards, but he is a uh, responsible defenseman. Um, he's tough in, in front of the net, which is anyone who watches the playoffs sees 
how important that is. I mean, you have to get to the net on one end and you have to be able to prevent the opposition from getting to the net on the other end in order to succeed in the playoffs. And he's, he's one of those players. And I, and I think, you know, he makes a, he makes a good first pass. He's not flashy, obviously. His offensive totals are, are pretty low. He's a stabilizing force. And I think one of the issues is that the Rangers, uh, were looking for somebody who would be compatible with Lundquist. You know, he's, uh, everyone knows Nils Lundquist is, is one of the most highly regarded prospects in the NHL. And I think the Rangers want to do everything they can to make sure that he's comfortable in coming over from Sweden, that he's comfortable on the ice with a partner who would complement his game. He's and Nils is 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 an offense minded defenseman. He moves the puck. He got gets up into into the play. And so they'll they'll have a uh, a safety valve on his left and they'll also have a fellow countryman which I think is pretty important so um, Nemeth is, is is the guy they they were looking for an experienced lefty to play on the third pair with Lundqvist and he is the player they wanted Larry I uh, so much to ask you here but I'm going to um, this might be a loaded question today is um, free agency day the Rangers have lost Bushnevich mainly because of salary cap a lot of teams lose their players fan favorites because of salary cap and what's on my mind right now and where I'm hearing some chatter people are just asking I would love your answer to this in today's world with the different owners that are owning these teams a lot of them are billionaires does the NHL really need a salary cap the NHL doesn't need a salary cap the NHL wants a salary cap and the NHL will have a salary cap forever the players association did not mount up against it in the 2012-13 2012-13 negotiation after they folded in 2005-6. Um, they're certainly not about to now. You know, the, the salary cap is is presented under the guise of promoting parity when we all know it is essentially a tool so that franchise values continue to grow through the roof. That's just the way it is. The Players Association accepted that. I don't know why they did so easily. I'm not suggesting the, the first time around was easy. They sat out a year. I give I give those guys a lot of credit. I, I give little credit to the guys in the union who undermined uh, the rest of the PA that year. But in 2012-13, they had they had no stomach for going back up against the salary cap, and and in fact took another took another bath. And um, this is just the reality of of the NHL world as it stands. Uh, successful teams are punished. Teams that draft exceptionally well are punished. <laughs> I mean, and, uh, you know, uh, the mediocre are generally rewarded in, in this league. It's a it's a lowest common denominator league. Tampa Bay has been able to establish um, a bar of excellence. And, you know, in, in this kind of a cap world, they deserve an, an immense amount of credit for it. All right. Well, today being uh, free agency day and the Rangers are looking to improve their team with a lot of talk about Eichel. But there's a couple of guys out there that I'm thinking about. And you made a mention in one of your articles possibly last week on guys that would come in and provide leadership and some toughness. That may work for the Rangers right now. One is Getzloff, and the other is Chara. Your thoughts on either one of those two guys? I know that they were interested in Chara last year, and as I reported at one point, they actually were among the last team standing before uh, Chara decided on Washington. But I, I think that I think that he probably, first of all, I don't know if he's going to play next year. Second, I think he's probably more interested in playing for a contender, a real legitimate cup contender. And third, with the signing of Nemeth, I'm not sure, you know, I'm not sure what the role then would be for Chara. But 
he would, of course, be a towering figure in more ways than one in the Ranger room. But I, I, I kind of see that window probably having closed. Getzlaff would be very interesting, but I think the Rangers need to settle their entire center situation. Like, where is Ryan Getzlaff going to play for them? What are they doing with Ryan Strom? I think that Getzlaff would be a great get for any team. I, you know, on a, on a one-year deal, I think he would, he would bring the toughness. He would, he would bring the glare. You know, he, he's got sort of a, a, a Mark Messier bearing on the ice, I think. Maybe it's because he has no hair. Um, but, uh, um, I don't, don't, don't tell, don't tell Mark. Don't tell Mark. Um, but no, seriously, I, I think Jeff would be a great fit. But again, is that kind of player coming to a Ranger team? that is mounting up to try and make a, a run at the playoffs as opposed to really being a, a legit contender for the cup. I mean, now, listen, Corey Perry went to Montreal last year and it worked out great. And, you know, Corey Perry was you know in a similar situation to Getzlaff and it, it worked out. But is Ryan Getzlaff going to look for a team that's probably a little bit closer to winning the cup than the Rangers? I think that would probably be part of the equation too. In a bigger picture type question, what have you made of this offseason and the navigating of the flat salary cap? You know, we've got some crazy lopsided trades happening. Vegas sends Marc-Andre Fleury to Chicago for essentially nothing. I, I just am curious to hear what have you made of this shortened offseason? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's it. it. It's a league that is governed by a flat cap and it necessarily inflicts pain on any team that is contending because every contending team, you know, essentially every contending team has cap issues. Listen, Tampa Bay basically gave, you know, uh, Tyler Johnson away to save cap space. And so, th- I mean, this is just the environment. I, I, I don't think it's a particularly appealing one. I, I, don't, I don't think it's, uh, I don't think it says an awful lot for a sport when you have teams making these kinds of trades. But again, this is the world in which uh, the players and the teams live right now. And this is what we're going to see for another year or two. You're also seeing more players not being qualified, being thrust into a free agent market. Uh, where teams have little room to accommodate them. There are more and more players who will not get contracts this year. But this is the squeeze. Uh, this is a squeeze that was going to be coming regardless. And certainly the flat cap has exacerbated it. It's, it's a very, it's very difficult terrain. It, it makes, uh, every general manager's job more difficult and, and, you know, for a first-time guy like like Chris Drury, um, as bright as he might be, this is a you know this is a difficult environment in which to to get your uh, in which to first come into the league and and get some experience. And so it's tough. I mean, in a, in a different world, I'm sure the Rangers would have gotten more for Buknevich. Or in a different world, they may not have had to deal Buknevich. You know, one or the other. But. This is it. You said you expect Jury to address centers. Is that the next move you expect him to make? Well, I think he has to, uh, because I, I, I don't think you can. I don't think that you can get any grasp on on really what the Rangers are going to look like until you find out what they're doing down the middle. That involves obviously Zabanajad, who is whose talks have begun about a contract extension, and that begin that in, involves Ryan Strom, who is entering the final year of his contract. That involves you know Jack Eichel, maybe Barkley Goodrow, who who may or may not play in the middle. So th- there's a lot there 
And right now, looking at the Rangers, you're, you're sort of, or I mean, I am at least, looking at a, at a very blurry picture. I don't know what's there. Until their situation in the middle is settled, you won't. I mean, on the wing, you know, there may be there may be trades coming, but on the wing, it's, you know, you know there's Panarin, you know there's Kreider, you know there's Lafreniere, you know there's Kako, you know Kravtsov is going to be competing for a job. So you have an idea of what's there on the wing. You really don't have any idea what's there in the middle, except Zibanejad will be here this year. It's the final year of his deal. He has a no move. There, you know, I don't get any indication that he would be looking to move. So you know that Mika is going to be there. The question for this year is who else? And the question for next year is, well, <laughs> is it Mika or is it Eichel or is it neither? So that's just it. As I look at the Rangers, it's all about the centers. Because their, their D is set and, you know, their D is set. I mean, right now, unless something startling intervenes, you know, you know, they're starting with Lindgren and Fox and Miller and Truva and Nemeth and uh, Lundqvist. I mean, that's, you know, that's pretty well, way the well it's, you know, the way it's set up. And, you know, maybe Zach Jones can force his way under the team. I'd be surprised. Maybe Matt Robertson can force his way under the team. I'd be surprised. Maybe Libor Hayek, if he's still here, has a great training camp and impresses Gallant and forces his way. But you have your six. You, you know, you, you can look at the Rangers and be confident in naming not only the six, but the three pair they're going to play. And then you know you have your number one goalie. Um, you're not quite sure what the backup is going to be. You know who their wings are, but you don't know who's down, going to be down the middle. So that's that's the way I look at the Rangers right now. So, Larry, final question. When you say that we kind of know who's who and who and how certain players play, I want to revisit Ryan Strom because you and I had talked about him last year and you thought maybe they may trade him at the deadline. They didn't. He's been playing well. He fits in well. Uh, I don't think he's overpriced. So why not keep Ryan Strome? Because he has played well. He continues to get better. I think he's going to be even better playing under uh, Gerard Gallant because he didn't seem to be so happy playing under Coach Quinn. So why not move forward with Ryan Strome? Listen, I, I think it's I, I think there are two issues attached to Ryan Strome. It's one, do you want it do you want to change the look of the second line? Do you want the second line to be a harder line? Do you want a different style coming out of your second line center? But second is Strome is on the final year of his contract. He's got a he, he's got a really good number this year. I mean, four point five is a very good number for Ryan Strome. However, what is what is the likelihood that the Rangers are going to extend him? at a number that would probably be closer to 5.5 or 6. I don't think it's great. I you know, I I just don't. I don't I don't get the sense that the Rangers will look at Ryan Strom as somebody they're going to sign to another contract. I've never gotten that impression. I could be wrong, but that is my impression. So if you're if the chances are that you're not going to keep Ryan Strom, you don't want him to walk away at the end of the year. You don't want to be in a in a position and, and this was and I know this was talked about with Buknevich, people saying, Well, why didn't they just keep him and then they could trade him at the deadline? But you're not trading your top players at the deadline if you're in a playoff race. You know, you can't you you can't do that. So the Rangers aren't going to be in a position where they're battling for a playoff spot and then trade Ryan Strom at the deadline. So I think that, I think if Ryan Strom had three years left on his deal, it would be a different conversation. I think though with him going to his final year and also the uncertainty with Zibanejad, listen, what happens if they don't get Eichel? What happens if they can't come to an agreement with, with Zibanejad on an extension? What happens if Strom walks out the door? They have no sentence. 
So that's why, again, getting back to the center position, it is, it is critical what they do there. And then again, so we haven't even mentioned Philip Heedle's name. And I'm not sure if the Rangers think Philip Heedle is a center. They may think he's a winger. He may be the guy to go if they, in fact, do get Eichel. I mean, it, it would make some sense that the Sabres would want Heedle and it would make some sense that the Rangers would agree to move Heedle. But, you know... And I get it, but here's an, here's another player who you know is a first rounder. He's he's still only 21 years old. Really don't know exactly what he is yet. I don't know what his ceiling is yet, but he is big and he is strong and he can skate and he'll drive to the net. So is it the worst thing to keep Philip Heedle? <laughs> I don't think so. Again, I you know there, there's there's a lot here, but that's a that's a really long winded answer to your to your question about Ryan Strome, which I may not have answered. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is great, Larry. I, and I actually have one more question for you. So you're, so you're not done yet, but we can't waste this time getting to pick your brain. There hasn't been much out there about Alex Giorgiev, and and you've reported the Rangers are looking to deal him. So I'm curious, what do you expect to happen there? Well, I, it, it's true. It, it was reported earlier, and I, and I'm sorry I can't credit to the first person who wrote it, because I, I, I don't remember, but I know it wasn't me, that the Rangers have been asking for first rounders for Georgiev, who has, who I'm told, told the Rangers that he'd really like to go someplace where he has a chance at being the number one. But I'm also told it wasn't a, hey, get me out of here. I don't, you know, I don't want to be here. So the Rangers have been looking to move Georgiev, but they've been asking for a first rounder. At least they were two or three weeks ago. Um, and I think maybe even in, into last week, they were still talking about a first rounder. At least that's my, that's my information, which, which verifies earlier reporting. And I don't, they're not going to get a first rounder for, for Alex. They're, they're, they're just not. He didn't have a particularly good year last year. He has not really shown that he can be a number one. He's, he's kind of had two years ago, he kind of had a chance to take it over before they uh, recalled Shesterkin from Hartford. They, they did give him a shot. And, you know, and, and Alex, he's still young. He's still young. Although he's 25, he, you know, he's, he's still a young goalie and he's still a developing goalie. I look at Georgiev as a piece to finalize a deal. I, I think he's more valuable as part of a package than as a standalone. And I, and I don't think the range Rangers feel that they have to move Georgiev. And you know what? His 2.425 is a pretty pricey hit for backup around the league. I'm not sure what teams Buffalo accepted, you know, would look at Georgiev as a competitor for the number one spot. And I don't know how many teams are comfortable with giving a backup goal tendered nearly two and a half million dollars so i don't i don't think he's an easy piece to move and certainly not in a deal where it's a standalone deal for him well we miss talking hockey with you larry thanks for the time as always and uh, we'll chat again soon thanks molly thanks dudes Episode 57 of Up in the Blue Seats, our Rangers podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown for producing the show. Do us a solid and give us a five-star rating and write in a nice review on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate it. For number 10, Ron Duguay, I'm Molly Walker. We'll chat again later this offseason. Enjoy the crazy free agency period and thanks for listening to Up in the Blue Seats.